Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? I'm recording this pod before the Thursday night game. Uh, we will we will have a weekend mailbag, and I think I'll give some of my Thursday night thoughts, Niners Seattle, on that. Uh, so there's some highlighting some of the Saturday-Sunday games, as well as Stucky, talk some gambling. Uh, you know, some, some, good, uh, some good values this week. Some, in- some interesting games for sure. Jets and Lions, you know, might be my favorite. Uh, and RIP Mike Leach, I have a couple more thoughts on that, as well as some of these college opt-outs. Three and Out Podcast, make sure you subscribe to that one. So if you subscribe, if you listen through Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to Three and Out Podcast. Greatly appreciate everyone that has. Also, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram. That we, we put one out over the weekend, and I also include one on Tuesday's show. So the easiest way to get on there is just... Follow on Instagram, DM me, and we'll communicate that way. And uh, yeah, let's dive into some football. Okay, before we dive into some of the Saturday night games, I love this time of year, the holidays, uh, when college football, right after that Army-Navy game the following week, the NFL starts infringing on other people's territory. They start going Saturdays for back-to-back weeks, and it's awesome. You get NFL games, and even this time of the year, you get the bowl games. You'll just be sitting there Saturday afternoon, after you do some honeydews or go shopping for Christmas or Hanukkah, and you'll have multiple football games on. Pro games, college games, best time of year. You just got football left and right. You just get inundated with football. Love it. Before we dive into a couple games that I find pretty interesting on Saturday, Tom Brady, Michael Silver wrote, uh, you know, he, he used to be of NFL Network. He actually it lives in Davis, California, where I'm born and raised. When I first got into, quote unquote, uh, the media business, I don't consider myself a media member. But when I was in radio, I, I guess I was much closer to that. I, I used to I, I met Silver in Davis. We got some beers. Uh, Mike's been really cool to me. He now has a podcast here on the volume and he's tied in. When I worked for the Eagles, I remember meeting Mike Silver on the sideline and he got my number and he picked my brain. This one, he was at Yahoo for some articles that he wrote. He knows everybody in the NFL. Like there are certain people, certain reporters that you go, does this where's this guy getting it from? I know for a fact Mike Silver's talking to people. So when he writes stuff, and there are certain reporters when they write stuff that it's just it's not even just fact. It's like he they're getting it from sources on the inside. And I, and I've always gravitated toward people that like have sources on the inside. If all you do is talk to agents, like 
you're going to be skewed. But if you can talk to agents, if you can talk to head coaches, if you can talk to GMs, if you can talk to prominent players, you kind of know what's going on, you know? And Michael Silver knows a lot more people in the National Football League than myself, right? Than a lot of people that talk about football and that quote unquote are connected. So when he writes or says something, I usually take it as fact. And he, he reported this week, he writes now for the San Francisco Chronicle, as well as obviously doing an open mic here on the Volume uh, Podcast Network, that Tom Brady holds like special meetings with the skill guys uh, on Saturday nights, the day before the game where he kind of uh, goes over the game plan and make tweaks, which is not abnormal if coaches were to be present, right? You've heard, if you've followed football, if you've ever played football, a lot of tweaks are made the night before a game with an offensive coordinator and a coach. I mean, for years, coaches have talked about after wins, well, last night, me and so and Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Saw something that we liked. We threw something off each other in a uh, in a hotel room, in a ballroom, wherever they're staying, right? Or at dinner, and we're like, "Yeah, we actually like that. Let's add that to the game plan." The equivalent, especially in the NFL, of like drawing it up in the dirt. You do it the night before because you've been tweaking stuff all week long, and so it's not abnormal at all. The par- problem was with this report; it was no coaches were involved, and basically Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich would find out on the fly. And I I remember hearing stories when I was in the NFL, how when Peyton Manning would walk out to practice when he was with the Colts, they would hand him the script. Like every practice in football is scripted, right? All the plays for all the periods, especially anything with either team, you know, past individual, anything with the group or the team, it's scripted by the coaches. And, And players have input depending on the operation. And Peyton Manning would ask for the script, he would get a red pen and he would make tweaks to it before practice even started. This was uh, stuff of legend. And then obviously when he went to the Broncos, they had to like move quality control assistance to Peyton Manning. That's the way it goes. Like Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they get to have a lot of influence. Welcome to Aaron Rodgers. That's the way, that's the, way the highest level of football works. Now, the coaches not being involved, let's face it, would be a little weird. And I think when you watch Tom Brady play, it feels like an operation where not everyone is on the same page. So I definitely think there's validity to this report because when Mike Silver throws something out there, he knows. Like he just He's not making this up. He knows the guys associated with this operation, from Todd Bowles to Byron Leftwich to hell to Tom. So Tom was asked about it this week and was not happy and basically just like, next question, that's crazy talk, where it's like, Tom, I'm watching you play. And it feels like nobody is on the same page. And I've said this for a while. Some coaches are meant to be number twos. And I'm going to keep hammering this home. The best part about being the number two in the NFL pays two or three million dollars. Hell, Josh McDaniels was the number two in New England and was making five. Todd Bowles last year as a defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was making like three and a half million dollars. And Bruce Arians, while is he the most buttoned up coach of all time? Of course not. No one would, you know put him like next to Bill Walsh and Bill Belichick in terms of the details, but he's pretty fucking good. And there is a standard and a level of accountability that just operates under him. Right. And clearly with Todd Bowles and now Byron Leftwich, I'm not saying Tom Brady has gone rogue, but it does kind of look like that. And I don't necessarily even blame Tom Brady. Maybe he doesn't believe in these guys, uh, but it's been a disaster. And I don't like, I love the Bengals this week. 
I think Tampa stinks. And really, over the last two games against the Saints and against the 49ers, if you remove those final two drives of that Monday night football game, Tampa has been arguably the worst team in the league. They have been unwatchable on offense. Tom's been terrible. The offensive line's been terrible. The wide, the whole operation has been, it's it's been up and down, obviously, all year long. But I think the last two weeks have been a borderline joke. Now, Tom pulled those plays out of his ass on Monday Night Football and had the game-winning drive. But you remove those last two drives of that game, that entire game and that entire 49er game, like that's like one, that's like a three-win team if you were just watching, right? You didn't know who was who. And you'd be like, is this the worst team in football? So the Bengals, who have been playing some of the best football in the league. And here's the thing. Even though if you watch Tampa, you know, they're clearly not as good. Their record's not as good as it has been in years past. They still got Tom Brady. They still got good players on defense. Like, to me, it's an easy average team for good teams to get up for. You saw it last week with the Niners. I think you'll see it this week with Cincinnati. I Listen, I, I still think they're going to end up winning the division. Uh, but I, I think Tampa is going nowhere fast. And the conversation to Tom, my, my recommendation, the more and more I do think he should walk away. Uh, a lot. This is how most great all timers go out. It's usually pretty ugly. Like mo- most guys are not John Elway and go out on top. Even Peyton Manning, who went out on top, like that that year was pretty rough. You know, remember he missed several games with Osweiler. He couldn't throw it. That's not necessarily the case with Brady, but he clearly doesn't look like he used to look. And you can say, well, it's the offensive line. Yeah, it, it is what it is. I mean, he's forty five years old. Like you know, the father time is undefeated. Like people are going to say that forever because it's true there is no beating that and he clearly has beat it much longer than most people but it does feel like it's coming to a screeching halt and then on some of these saturday night games like what i like about the nfl is when they kind of flex their muscle like they give college their space and part of that's probably the uh the networks do big deals right cbs is in bed with the sec it's going to change to abc and abc is in bed with you know, the Big Ten and the Big 12, and they're all ESPN with them all. So everyone's benefiting, right? It's not like the NFL, like it makes sense for them just to own Sunday and Monday night and Thursday night. But, you know, I if they wanted to throw a couple games throughout the fall on Saturdays, they easily could, and it would be the highest rated game. But they don't, and it clearly works out for everything. But the moment that Army-Navy game ends, they go, Saturday, we're coming. And this year with Christmas falling on Sunday, they say, Christmas, we're coming too. Adam Silver, we are going to destroy your ratings. And you put them on Saturday, like some of us have stuff to do, right? Shopping, haven't really shopped at all. I don't know about you. And even like I've been looking online, I'm like, I don't even know what to get. It's almost Christmas. I'm screwed. I mean, rinse, wash, repeat every single year. I just want to watch football, right? That's all I want to do, even though these games stink. But the one thing cool I think about this Saturday is like there are a couple gut check moments for a couple teams. And starting with the morning game, you know, Minnesota's been weird. Every time I've watched them on television this year, if you listen to people that talk about football, and if you listen to people that gamble on football and the analytical people, everyone's hated them. They think they're overrated. They think they've won all these one-score games. The gambling, like, look at their lines. Last week's a great example. They're whatever, 10-2, and two, playing the Lions, who were 5-7, and seven, and the Lions were favored. It's like, the, and the Lions covered, so it's not like they were even wrong. But when I watch Minnesota, I go, you know, I love Dalvin Cook. I love Madison. Justin Jefferson's, you know, might be pound for pound, non-quarterback, as good of a player as we have in the NFL. Cousins been solid. Thielen came alive last week. Like, I think they're better than all the hatred, even though, like, don't love their corners. They don't get a pass rush. I get where their record as a 10-3 and team, they're probably closer to, like, 
being eight and five. Does that number add up? Eight and five. Yeah, eight and five. Like to me, they look more like an eight, but they're they're a legitimate playoff team. And because of their division, they would have won at eight and five too, right? If they got to 10 and seven, 10 and seven would have won the NFC North. But when everyone's kind of talking shit about you, you just get beat by the Lions. And now you're playing the Colts, whose head coach is Jeff Saturday, who claimed, I don't know if you saw the, the video. I think there's like an owner's meetings or something. Because Jim Irsay in a golf cart, ripping a ripping a dart, just puffing a cigarette, talking about his coaching staff. And, you know, he's loved Saturday, but they're going to interview a bunch of people. I mean, that that franchise right now has got some issues. And you would say they're 10-3 and three team against Jeff Saturday, Lev Colts at home. What's the line? You'd be like, oh, at minimum seven, seven to eight points. It's four. Vegas doesn't even respect Minnesota. So everyone's going to be watching this bad boy. To me, this is kind of a gut check game for Minnesota. I'm recording this before, obviously, the 49er game. But, you know, the Niners, they, they by no means have the number two seed just locked up. So they still need to play good football. I think a lot of people, regardless how the seeding plays out, are probably going to bet against Minnesota in that first game. Not necessarily myself, depending on the matchup. But, like, this is a game as a squad. This isn't like a Kirk Cousins take. This is like the team. The team's clearly pretty solid. They're definitely should be better than Indianapolis. You win this game. Like you don't just lose and then play the Colts and lose again. Like then I'd start being out on you. I'm like, yeah, no chance this team's winning a playoff game. And the other team that needs a big gut check, not necessarily the team because Tyreek Hill brings it. Jalen Waddle has brought it. I I saw Jalen Phillips is banged up, but I think he's been really good. Uh, I I like how hard when you watch Miami, they play. But Tua, as someone sent me a meme of Tua, and it said, uh, Tua, turn the ball over. Uh, that They put that on his, uh, like the back of his name on, on his jersey. Tua's been terrible for two weeks. Like, atrociously bad. Like, if he had played like that all season long, they'd be like a three or four win team. And everyone's shitting on him. Because most people, including myself, weren't that big on him to begin with. So when he's balling, kind of shuts us up. But the moment he looks, I mean, worse than pedestrian, I mean, below average, everyone kind of starts kicking him when he's down. And I've been saying this like from a couple weeks ago where they got to get some of these wins against the Chargers and the Niners because all of a sudden they're going on the road to Buffalo. And then in two weeks, they're going on the road to New England. And then next week, they're playing the Packers. Like these games could turn out to be very, very difficult. Two of them are going to be in the weather. And I know Tua said, well, it snows in Alabama, too. Yeah, I'd say Buffalo's a little bit different animal. Same thing with Foxborough. Like, I don't think anyone's comparing that to Tuscaloosa in the winter. And last time I checked, when I watched the SEC play, not many snow games, especially to Alabama. So the division they play in, Alabama, LSU, right, the Mississippis, Auburn, like, that's not a big, uh, I wouldn't compare that to the AFC East. And clearly playing in Miami is pretty good weather. And hell, we just saw in the last two weeks, Santa Clara and when they played in Los Angeles in a dome, even though it's kind of like a, it's not completely a dome. There's still air going through, so the wind can blow a little bit, but it's fucking LA. And he looked like this is a big, big moment for the guy. It's by far, you could argue it's the biggest game of the weekend. We can get in the Jets and Lions as well, but he's got to play well. Now, I don't know if their team, like he could play well and they could still lose, but we could have a moment where he loses this game, then he loses to New England a couple weeks. Maybe the Packers beat him. We start talking about his future on the franchise kind of all over again. 
it felt like just because he was 19 and three and they were whatever eight and one or nine and two, whatever the hell their record was before the Niner game, everyone just put them on a pedestal. Like they found their franchise quarterback. It's like, guys, it wasn't that long ago that they were doing everything humanly possible to get Tom Brady, to get Deshaun Watson, and get rid of Tua Tonga Bailoa. So to just think in like three, you know, not basically three months and, you know, not 10, 11 games that he had just solidified himself. That's not the way the NFL works. And never forget, Mike McDaniel was not the guy that drafted him. Now, the owner, I don't think the owner's been the biggest fan. Now, the general manager might be, but Mike McDaniel's already kind of earned a lot of credit because he's proven to be a pretty good offensive mind. And, like, who's to say that he's all in and Tua's just on scholarship in his book? So I would say that Tua, not only is Saturday night a gut check game, this final stretch is a gut check game, or gut check stretch for Tua. Can he play outside? How does he do in these in these big games against better opponents? Clearly, these last two weeks have not gone well. I'm fascinated to watch it play out. I personally would bet against him. I think it could get pretty ugly for Miami. I, I think Miami could absolutely implode. And then this discussion, you know, after the season in February and March, we're talking, is Miami in the quarterback business? Do they look to sign a veteran? Do they look to make a trade? Because for as great as Tua Start was, it can unravel fast in the NFL. Before we dive into some other stuff coming up this weekend, I wanted to tell you about my friends at Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks have been sending me stuff for years. I love their product. The holidays are here. What better way for a gift to send people meat, to order meat on your own and bring it over? Omaha Steaks has put together a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 15% off site-wide. Plus use the code, three, the number three and out at checkout to get an additional 40% off. That's a lot of uh, percentages off. I highly recommend it. You can get butcher cut filet mignon. You can get air chilled boneless chicken. Love that. Ultra juicy burgers and even easy to prefer, uh, prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Cannot recommend my friends at Omaha Steaks enough. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use the promo code number three and out at checkout to get that extra 40% off your order. Minimum order may be required. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. 
Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Packers, who have been an absolute behemoth the last several years, have cruised to, I mean, they've been the number one seed the last two years. And three years ago, they were in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers. So they have, I mean, they won 39 games over that period of time. This year, we've well discussed been the season from hell. Rodgers' thumb was messed up. Uh, and clearly, uh, Christian Watson did not pop soon enough. The defense has been more than questionable. They have had their issues. And they're playing the Rams this week, who I think are going to come to a screeching halt after that miraculous Baker Mayfield, uh, I guess, two drives against the Raiders. But you don't get to play the Raiders every week, right? <laughs> Patriots do this week, and I love the Patriots. But I, what I think is about cool about the Packers and really Aaron Rodgers over this last three or four game stretch is they kind of get to play spoiler. They kind of they have nothing to lose. Their, their season has sucked. They're not going to the playoffs. Even if they ran the table, I, I still would highly doubt they would make it. I guess they'd get to nine and eight, but I don't know if nine gets in. And they have a stretch where in two weeks they play at Miami, then they play Minnesota, and then they play the Lions, who if the Lions beat the Jets this weekend, there's a path for them to get to 10 wins. Obviously, that game would be huge at the end of the season. But unlike in previous years, it's not like Green Bay is going to be resting anyone. And we know they don't like Minnesota. And that game in Green Bay, or that game's in Green Bay. So the weather with Kirk Cousins, everyone's going to be keeping an eye on that. That I, I think this is a moment where everyone just kind of gets to relax. It feels like the Packers were tight early in the season. And now Rodgers coming off a bye, get a little healthy, and just kind of let it rip. And I think that's what you're going to get. Now, this week withstanding, playing the Rams, who, you know, are rolling out a practice squad group. I'm not talking about that game. I'm talking about those last three. And like we talked about with Tua, like it's kind of time to put up or shut up. Like no one cares how many plays you make in early October. You get paid the big bucks to lead me to the playoffs and then play well in January. Right. And I I think all the pressure is going to be on him in that game. He's playing Aaron Rodgers. And the following week, Kirk Cousins, everyone's kind of anointed him, this team. Even though, like I've said, I think he's been played, he's played really well this season. Even though when you look at his numbers, they're basically, they parallel Jared Goff's. Like Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins this year are kind of the same player. Uh, and, and Rodgers gets a chance to play them all. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, if Rodgers is much healthier than he's been, I think the Packers are going to be very, very tough. Speaking about the big game this weekend, uh, Jets and Lions. In, in what world, if I would have told you, like September 1st, you know, the week before Christmas, there is a massive game on Sunday. You'd have been like, oh, Rams Packers? Uh, Patriots Raiders? Like, no. Lions Jets. Like, what? I'm like, yeah, two playoff teams going at it. And I've said this for a while now. Jared Goff, when you see him with McVay when they had really good teams, and then this year when they have obviously a really good nucleus of players around him, he can be really good. He can play that Kirk Cousin-like role. And I've said over and over, I would be hesitant to take a quarterback if I was the Lions with that Rams pick, which has a chance to be the number two overall pick. Probably more than likely be somewhere three, four, five, but it's going to be in that range. There's a chance. Look at the Rams schedule. 
They might not win another game. The Lions have that pick. Did I don't know if the Lions have to force a quarterback right there. I do think that they could be open to rolling it back with Jared Goff, take a Will Anderson or take the guy from the pass rusher from Georgia, and then with your own pick, take another player and just build up a really sweet team and just roll with Jared Goff. I, I think that has to be on the table. But the only way you feel good about doing that is if Jared Goff plays well outside. Because most seasons, as the Lions quarterback, you're going to play division games late in the season. And last time I checked, the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers play in inclement weather. And Jared Goff has a chance. Because the knock on Jared Goff, going back since college, when he was at Cal, when they went up to Oregon in a driving rainstorm, he couldn't grip the ball. Because one of the knocks on Goff is he doesn't have big hands. Well, they're playing the Jets this weekend. I'm sure it's not going to be sunny in 70. And then at the end of the season, they play the Packers in Green Bay. So he gets multiple shots in inclement weather games to kind of prove that like the Jared Goff we've been seeing in some of these dome games translates outside. Hell, he doesn't even need to be as good as he's been as long as he can just lead the team and not screw it up. You feel pretty good about it. And I'm not saying that they won't end up taking a quarterback because I could see Dan Campbell loving Will Levis. Big, strapping guy, huge arm. Like Feels like Will Levis is Dan Campbell's type guy. But I think if Jared Goff can prove himself, like Jared Goff can do more than Mike White. Like ultimately, Mike White, all he's doing is proving that he's like a serviceable player to the Jets. No one in their right mind is going, you know what? Mike White could be a five-year starter. One thing Jared Goff has proven, he was the number one overall pick in the draft. He started basically every game that he's been healthy for the last, whatever, eight years, however long he's been in the NFL. And he's been on teams that have won playoff games and been to the Super Bowl. Like, we have seen him have success in big moments. It translates. Now, a lot of those moments have been in L.A., in good weather, and remember the NFC Championship game that they won was in a dome. So it's clear where he benefits from playing, and that's in good weather. He's a good weather quarterback. I think Derek Carr is very similar to Jared Goff that way. I would not love him in Chicago. I would not love him in New England. I would not love him with the Jets. Like, I, But if you can prove that just like you can function in that, for short, because ultimately you're only going to play so many games, you know, in December in those spots on a given year when you play for the Lions, like you still get eight to nine dome games. So that value is really positive if you're playing well. But if he's improved or just shows that he's better, which I'm not saying that he is, like I, I would struggle to pick the Lions this week against the Jets strictly because I do not trust him in a cold, windy, potentially wet game. Uh, I, I don't like that at all. But he can shut me up quick, just like he can kind of prove to himself. Because the thing about the NFL, you're constantly trying to earn a spot or keep your spot. Like it's the ultimate, like beside a couple players in this league that are on massive contracts like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, the overwhelming majority of players are fighting for their jobs on a, on a yearly basis and can get cut at the moment's notice. Because you're just always, that's the way front offices operate. We're always talking about how can we upgrade this position. And the majority of NFL contracts, let's face it, are year to year. And at most, like every two years. So even if you have like a guaranteed deal that kind of puts you on scholarship for a couple of years, doesn't mean going into year two, I don't draft a guy that's ultimately going to replace you. And uh, you can, you know, you can prove front offices and the coaching staff wrong. And I, I'm not saying like clearly the Lions believed in Jared Goff, I would say more than most of us last year when they made this trade. Because remember, they got crushed. 
I thought as part of like, wait, you just took back Jared Goff? Why would you want Jared Goff? And remember, they were adamant. Like, we kind of like him. And the GM, Brad Holmes, who had been with him and with the Rams, and clearly Dan Campbell, like he's earned some of his respect. So I, I can't wait to watch that game. And then kind of a weird story. Obviously, it's been confirmed. Kyler Murray tore his ACL is out for the season. And uh, like I said on Monday night, when you tear your ACL December 12th, Odell Beckham tore his ACL last year in the Super Bowl. And he can't get cleared right now to play NFL football. And in about another month, that's going on 11 months. Like this notion that everyone's Adrian Peterson and going to bounce right back and be able to play immediately after an ACL is just just consistently proven he's an all-time outlier. Most guys take 10 to 12 months. And especially Odell Beckham, explosive wide receiver. Kyler Murray, explosive runner. Like... There's a very good chance Kyler Murray is, doesn't play a snap next year because, let's face it, Cardinals ain't going to be a playoff team. Uh, the news that came out, think about this season for them. Their running back coach was immediately suspended and then basically fired for domestic violence over the summer. Their offensive line coach, when they went to Mexico, did something weird with a chick and got fired immediately. Their quarterback, who they gave an enormous contract, now has a torn ACL, and their general manager is fighting some undisclosed illness and is just taking a leave of absence is just gone. And his duties will be split up by a couple guys that are already in the front office. And listen, I have, I don't have any inside information or know anything about him. And the Cardinals were adamant, like, you know, it's HIPAA or whatever. We don't have to say, and uh, listen, it's not, I don't even, it's not our right to know if he's battling some sick. I hope the guy's okay. But it did hit me. Is this the last time we ever see Steve Kime as a general manager for the Arizona Cardinals? Like, does he ever come back and take back over power? Is this, you know, in a weird way, an out for Bidwell? You fire uh, Kingsbury, you know, Kime just stays away sick, and then you just kind of phase him out, and you just start anew. And you do have to wonder that, is their job appealing, given that Kyler Murray not only will miss next season, but if you go type in Kyler Murray's contract and go to Spot Track. The, the website that kind of breaks it down by year. He's basically on the team starting in 23 at minimum 23, 24, 25. And then even 26, the dead number is relatively big. So like you're, you're talking, it was an extension. It start it kicks in on the book starting next year. I think this is a very, very complicated situation. This is a franchise in a weird way that does have some pieces like love Buda Baker Obviously, Hopkins is a monster. You know, Kyler's a very interesting player. Uh, Isaiah Isaiah Simmons, depending on who you ask, you watch some games, he looks good. Some games, you know, you don't really notice. But th- this is a franchise going nowhere fast. <clears throat> now their star, star would be strong. I mean, their highly paid quarterback is going to be MIA for a long time. Their general manager's on leave. Uh, this is a team that might probably going to end up 5-12. and 12. What a what a season, man. What a year after what did they start last year? Eight no. It looked like they were gonna win the division. Any team, like a lot of shitty teams over the years, have a one off season. When you look at their body of work, they they've been bad. And they continue to be bad, and I think they will be bad moving forward unless they basically hit the nuclear option and that's blow the thing up. And I said this the other day, I, I do believe that's what they should do. Uh before we die, a couple things on Mike Leach is some of these guys are opting out. And my take on the opt out is pretty simple. One, if you're playing for the playoffs, 
Uh, I, I don't know how you would work all season long and then have the chance at a national championship and opt out. Now, I haven't seen anyone on any of the four teams opting out. Uh, I don't count uh, Smith and Jigba because he hasn't played all season long. But it does feel like the rest of the crew is all playing on Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, TCU, right? As they should. Like, what was the point of risking it all season? Now, any other bowl game? If, to me, you are a top 50, you could even go as far as top 75 lock. Like, if the NFL general managers and coaches, not the agents, but NFL GMs and coaches, and the surveys you're going through, talking to people in the league, and they say, listen, you are going to get drafted in the top couple rounds. Completely understand it. But to me, if you're a fringe third-round pick, or you're a third-day pick, and you are taking off the bowl game, I think that's a mistake. Because one, you can earn credit in the bowl game by making plays and looking good. And usually when you go up against these other opponents, you're playing other good teams, typically that have other NFL players. And I think so many guys that opt out, like if you're opting out in your fifth round pick, like you're getting terrible advice. That's, it is not smart. It honestly doesn't make any sense because not only can you earn credit by playing, like you earn money. Like how do you improve your draft stock? By playing football. Now, you obviously can help yourself out with a good combine, but to me, the tape and playing on games is where you get ranked initially on a draft board. And the good teams, you know, for the most part, aren't making too many crazy tweaks based on the combine and the pro days. So I think some of these guys are getting terrible advice. Now, I also understand like, these, a lot of these bowl games are completely meaningless. Like You could argue every bowl game beside the, the two playoff games are meaningless. And I tend to agree. Ultimately, it doesn't mean anything, except like that's the resume as a player. Like Your resume as a player is how you operate character-wise, how you treat people, your coaches, how coachable you are, all the intangible stuff. And then the tape, right? And the tape is really what separates guys. And I think a lot of people have a false sense of kind of where they stand and you know, it's obviously on an individual basis. Like, you're the second tight end in the class. No shit. Why, why are you playing in the Meineke, Care, Car, Nike Bowl? doesn't make any sense. But it's like, hey, bro, you're going to be a six-rounder and you're just not playing? If I think some of these front offices would be like, did you just not want to play football? Did you not like the team? Like, you're just leaving your teammates? Like, wh what's going on here? I think there are fair questions to ask when some of these guys opt out that are not, you know, first two-day draft picks. And last but not least, I, I talked about Mike Leach the other day, but like everyone, you know, you read all these articles, been thinking a lot about him. You know, I don't think there's anything that's a, a bigger compliment to any to any human being uh, than being called an overachiever. And I, I remember Kobe Bryant one time, they asked him like how he wanted to be remembered and he wanted to be remembered as an overachiever. And when you think about it, like there's a guy that won five right titles and was one of the best players of all time. But like when you think Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, like the number one thing you think about with some of these guys, is like, God, these guys were relentless workers. They maximized every ounce of talent. Like some of those guys would have been, especially Kobe or Tiger, their, their floor was so high, but they maximized their ceiling by just scratching and clawing to the top. And when you think about Mike Leach, the thing I can't get over is the three programs in which he coached we're all borderline cellar dwellers in their conferences, yet he won at all of them. Like part of when you win at Washington State, when you win at Texas Tech, 
When you win, go eight and four at Mississippi State, which is the worst team in that division, you're an overachiever. And I think sometimes intellectual people, and that's what Leach was, right? He was really intellectual, is you don't think of them necessarily as like grinders, even though, I mean, clearly is the case for some, but like crazy overachievers. Like usually the overachievers are guys that aren't smart, right? Like I have to work really hard. I'm not as intellectually brilliant as a lot of people. Like I I can't think of some of the shit that Coward thinks of, right? So I got to read articles, watch all these games. Like I, I can't really skip steps. And what made Mike Leach kind of cool is he was this brilliant intellectual lawyer that didn't play football and was known as not like even the biggest grinder, like in recruiting, yet his team's always overachieved. You know, it's it's kind of a crazy conundrum. It shows you how brilliant the guy was. And so anytime that you're called an overachiever, like that's in my book, that's one of the best compliments you can get. And the other thing is like when you're an innovator, in you know a highly competitive highly paid industry that's very very difficult to do right there really aren't that many innovators when you really think about football there are a lot of good football coaches but are they quote unquote innovators and the, the impact mike leach had with his offense I, I and maybe i mentioned this the other day i don't know sorry i got a short short term memory loss over the years when I played high school football in 2000, I guess it would have been the fall of 2002 would have been my last year playing high school football. So 20 years ago, I would say the majority of programs in like the Northern California area ran just like a heavy run game oriented, you know, program, triple option, the wing T. It looked like Navy and Army. And I think when you went around the country, especially up until like the late 90s, most college programs were, or excuse me, high school programs were run first. I think when you look around now, everyone's spreading it out and throwing it. Not obviously every single school, but the majority of high school programs throw the football. And obviously in college, the majority of college programs throw the ball and run versions of a spread offense passing attack. And the influence that he specifically had on that is beyond immense. Now, he learned it from other people, Hal Mummy, who, you know, was ahead of his time. But I think Mike Leach taking that and the time of the internet and making it so easy to see everything, obviously so many college games on television. So by the mid 2000s, we could see Texas Tech on TV. That that played a huge role in people able to steal his stuff. Uh, technology is the ability to get college film if you're a high school coach in Florida or Seattle or wherever. But Imagine being basically known as an overachiever and an innovator. I mean, what what a what a special legacy Mike Leach left. I'm trying to think of like all the unique coaches that just over the last like couple decades. He's got to be, I mean, on the short list of most memorable. I, I mean, th- there are a lot of even solid coaches. Like ultimately, Sean Payton's really impressive, and him and Drew Brees is Super Bowl champion. But like. I actually think like Mike Leach, th- there's like a, a level of of emotion when you just bring up his name. You're just talking about him in a conversation. Like everyone had an opinion on the guy. He was just different than every than Pete Carroll, Sean Payton, Saban, Brian Kelly. He, he just had nothing in common with most of these guys. And he was damn good. And he won at programs that really had no business business winning. So, you know, RIP and like I said the other day, football football lost to Bohemoth. Football season is underway. 
So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Juan Gabriel. Juan Giz. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here with uh, my main man, Stucky, and he's, and he's heating up. I mean, he is hot right now. 30-19-1 uh, and one on the year. He was 3-1 and one last week. 
Denver, no big deal, even without Russ when he got KO'd. Detroit, that was easy money. And the Jags, don't sleep on the Jags. Um, and Philly, obviously the Giants didn't cover. They kicked the shit out of them. But other than that, a man stuck. He's hot. And uh, I, I got to disagree with some of his picks coming up today. But, you know, maybe I should just ride the hot hand. Stucky, what's happening, bro? What's going on, brother? Yeah, well, that makes for for uh, a good listen when you can give banter on both sides and let the people decide. Yeah, got a little lucky with uh, Denver down 27 nothing with an offense that can't score more than 10 points a game somehow. Uh, Ross was cooking a little bit for the first time all year, and they were able to able to cover. So it's grateful for that. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we can find some winners. What's crazy is it was 27 nothing, but they went to halftime 27-14. So, yeah. like, they, they got those couple late touchdowns that definitely changed the game. Yeah. Uh, let's start with uh, the the – on absolutely blazing fire lions. They're they're won five of their last six. Uh they easily could have won that Thanksgiving game against the Bills. And they're playing the Jets, who are leaking oil in terms of wins and losses. But when you watch them, I, I think they look pretty good. I mean, the defense is really good. Offensively, that game was hard. I mean, that game would have been difficult for most teams last week. They don't have like Mahomes or Burrow. Um, this is tough for me because my heart says the Lions, but Listen, I've been watching Jared Goff since he played at Cal, and inclement weather is just <laughs> that's not really his thing. And I haven't, I, I don't know if it's going to be raining, but you know it's going to be cold. December, the Jets defense. This one's hard for me uh, because ultimately Mike White's now banged up. So what's he going to be like? Is this Flacco going to have to play? That whole situation. I mean, is it there? If Mike White can't go, is Zach Wilson then a snap away from playing if Flacco gets injured? Uh, I, I guess I would take the Jets reluctantly, but I, I don't want to bet against this rocket ship that is the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I did. Sometimes you have to do that in the NFL. It's it's painful, but it's usually, you know, when it's a little painful and it hurts a little bit to bet on or against a certain team, it's probably a good signal that it's the right time to do it. And I do think that this is now, and I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but it's the right time to sell high on the Lions um and look they're playing extremely well they might be the fourth best team in the nfc uh maybe and like that's that's how well they're playing their offense is playing really well but you nailed it like it's golf out outdoors against this defense in inclement weather in december is a whole different ball game and if you just look from a market perspective this is a team that was one month ago yesterday or a couple days ago middle, middle of last month they were plus three and a half at Chicago, plus three and a half. And they were going to lose until Justin Fields threw a pick six late. Uh, and then the Bears missed an extra point. And the Lions won the game by one. Now, fast forward a month, and they've been rolling. You got to give them credit. It's a pick at the Jets. We're playing really well. I, I From what I, I think I've heard, Mike White will be good to go. Um, and look, the Lions offense, I don't think golf will be as effective. We'll give the Jets defense. Uh, you know, a fair fight, but I think the Jets' defense will get enough stops, but I think the, the bigger gap is that I think the Jets will be able to move the ball. And the Lions' defense is improving. They have some great young pieces. They just if they just nail, like, the next one to two additions, either in the draft or free agency. This defense could be scary in a year or two. Um, but, yeah, I think that this is just the time to sell the Lions. They've covered six straight, and uh, getting the Jets here to pick 
I think is uh, a little cheap. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in front of the Lions train. I've heard it restore the roar a little bit too much over the last week, so which is a good sign that the market is uh, peaking on the Lions. One thing when you watch the Jets, obviously they're you know the the corners are awesome and their safeties hit hard, but that front is just so active. And the one thing the Lions do have is a really good offensive line. Yep. You know, to neutralize them a little bit. You know, Quinn and Williams got injured last week, but they got dudes flying around everywhere. So to me, if Goff you, obviously comes back to earth a little bit, but just plays like a normal quarterback in the weather, I it just to me he can just implode and he has historically from college to the pros, even on good teams, right? I mean, you get him out there in, in inclement weather, doesn't matter who's around him, he's kind of crumbled like a cookie. So that's to me, that's the most fascinating part about that game. It's like if Jared Goff is good. Lions win if he sh- or or can win, you know, if he's shitty, I, I don't know. They might not score 15 points, you know, so it's he's going to be a fascinating watch in that game. And then the Jags, you know, early on in the season, Trevor Lawrence was kind of all over the map and it was like, God, is this guy not like bus style like Zach Wilson, but it was this is not living up to the hype. He's clearly over the last what would you say, month, month and a half with Doug? Kind of felt like he's got a little bit more of a rhythm. Uh, it, it looks like, you know, I, I don't want to say the real deal, but a guy that's trending toward being a really good player. And the Cowboys clearly probably had the shittiest week of practice they've had all season last week. Get a little bit of a wake-up call. But still, I, I know the Jags have good players, but like it's going to be tough to focus. Are, are they playing the Eagles the following week? So, yep. you know, did they look ahead two weeks ago? And are they going to even focus this week? Who knows? Micah Parsons already talking shit about Jalen. Um, I, I would probably stay away from this. I, I know it seems like you like the Jags, huh? Yeah, I, I love the Jags. They're talking about five, four and a half, four. Um, I think that last week you saw with the, I mean, the Texans, yeah, you're gonna, look, as a football team, you're going to have weeks where you're just not focused and you just don't have your best. But, and it was like the Texans should have won that game, which was shocking to say in in Dallas. But it showed, in, and Dallas just obviously had one of those weeks, one of the best teams in the NFC. But it showed some of the cracks in the Cowboys' armor right now due to injuries. So you lose Terrence Steele, your starting right tackle. Your right tackle that comes in, you're like rotating Peters and, and this guy Ball, and they were awful. And like the Texans were getting pressure on Dak. They couldn't really open up holes. So, like, you're going to get Tyron Smith back, but now you you might be moving your your left guard to right tackle. So it's going to be they're going to be it's going to be a completely reshuffled offensive line this week. Not great for the first time, you know, especially on the road. And then on defense, they've had two or three injuries at corner. They have a couple injuries up front on the the defensive line, and that's why you saw uh, Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mills without. Nico Collins without Brandon Cooks, they're throwing the ball up to Chris Moore. It was the, he had twelve catches for one hundred and thirty yards or something like that? That was that wasn't the Texans are horrendous, and that was the ter- Texans with like out receivers. D- D- Dallas got over. really lucky when he threw that pick in backed up into his own end zone. And one, sometimes when you throw that pick, the guy walks right in the end zone. And two, they have the shot to win the game. I mean that that play. Obviously, on fourth down, is one of the shittiest plays you can. I mean, were they trying to make sure that they did not score a touchdown on that play? Like, what was that? Yeah, I mean, giving it to Rex Burkhead and um, yeah, I mean, Pierce got misdirection on a Driscoll like sweep. I mean, what? what, yeah. what, what I don't. But I, I, I think, and look, I don't know if Dallas is going to be fully focused, but the offensive line injuries, the secondary injuries, I think the Jags are trending in the right direction. And if you look at the Jags all year, if 
you know, an interesting exercise. It's 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 flawed, but it's always interesting to look at. If you took every team's one possession losses and flipped them into wins, and every team's one possession wins and flipped them into losses, the one seed in the AFC would be the Jags. Uh, they've been in almost every single game this year, and I think they're going to carry that momentum over from last week. A huge win against Tennessee. Lawrence is playing really well, and their defense is really good against the run. Secondary is, is really poor. But the Dallas offense of their passing attack isn't, you know, it's not really clicking right now. And if you can kind of slow down Dallas on the ground, then, uh, you know, you have a shot. And I think Jacksonville can do that here. And I got news for you. If Jacksonville wins this game and the Chargers beat the Titans, which I think they do, uh, all of a sudden the Jags control their own destiny. Jags have life. Division, for their division because they just beat the Titans. They'll be one game back. And they host the Titans in the final week. So all they have to do is stay one game back and win at home over the Titans, and they'll win the division at nine and eight. That'd be insane. Yeah. That'd be nuts. I mean, speaking of a team that might win the division, I mean, it's probably going to win the division, but under 500 potentially is Tampa. My take on them, I I think sometimes in football, like winning – can band-aid how shitty you are. And, and two weeks ago, my two and a half weeks ago, whatever, that game against the Saints, I mean, they were beyond horrendous and they got two kind of throwback Brady drives. I, I think they're terrible. I mean, they're 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 awful. And I, I don't want to say they quit against the Niners, but it just kind of felt like we're not any good. What's the point of this? And they just kind of look lifeless. Todd Bowl stinks. I, I love Cincinnati this week. I, and this is your classic, like, where that's what it probably everyone's thinking. But I, I do think that Tampa is not any good. And I think Brady is checked out, moved on. He's getting peppered, wants no part of getting touched. I, I I mean, Tom is not like scared at all. And you can tell right now, he's like, I'm not letting anyone fucking hit me. I'm just hitting the ground. Balls are flying all over the map. I mean, for the first time in the last couple of weeks, and maybe I wasn't super locked in earlier, I, I think he's looked really really pedestrian part of it is the offensive line stinks and he can't move but their receivers i mean him and mike evans not on the same page cincinnati's rolling i love cincinnati in this game yeah i played the bucks uh i didn't like it i haven't played the, i haven't bet the bucks since the luckily i was on them against the seahawks i've been trying to avoid them there's something that's off but uh this line is too high getting over a field goal here i think it's a good buy low sell high opportunity i mean the bengals are coming off three straight huge wins it's like they finally beat the browns they beat the titans they beat the chiefs uh but this is a team three weeks ago and i was on them they were they closed as a one-point favorite at tennessee um and i i think tennessee i think the bucks are better than the titans um they bucks have also been playing extremely hurt they should get you know, I think they're going to get Winfield back, who's really important. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL. They've been playing without him. Might get Edwards back at safety, too. I think they're going to get Sean Murphy Bunning back. I mean, last week at San Francisco, they were basically – they were down like a, a rookie six-string corner and third and fourth-string uh, safety. So their defense, although I don't think Vita Vey is going to play, should be a little healthier. And the Bengals, who have been really healthy, I don't think Trey Henderson's going to play. He matters, especially with works out. Would he, he break his out. wrist? I mean, that's a pretty big yeah. injury for the you yeah, know, home stretch in playoffs. A couple of weeks and you don't know I, I would imagine i don't think tyler boyd's gonna play and you got a hamstring for t higgins so uh you know you, that's now you're down to like trenton irwin and um that receiver that's 
a big difference. We've seen the the Bengals offense when it's just like, you know, if you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Wood out there with Joe Burrow, I mean, it's good luck trying to defend all of them. So I don't think they're going to be fully healthy at wide receiver. So, yeah, and this is – it's just – if it was three, would not be on Tampa. Tampa. Three is king. It's so important. I think I'm getting the hook here because of how poor – Tampa Bay looked last week and how, I mean, since he's covered 13 of their last 15, they've been a, a wagon against the spread. But I think this is the time to fade them uh, on the road. Maybe I'll regret it because you're right. I don't believe in the Bucks for one bit, but uh, I've been on a lot of bad teams in the NFL, and this is another one. Okay, well, speaking of another team, a bad team, uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the fighting, <clears throat> fighting Jeff Saturdays against Minnesota, who got – little humble pie against the Lions. Uh, this is the first game, right, of Saturday morning. Uh, yeah. Indy at Mini. This is a game that, you know, I, I don't know if you're missing much if, you, if you're doing shit with your family and shopping. But from a gambling perspective, you know, it's the easiest way to pay attention. I don't know. I mean, I, I, honestly, I couldn't gamble on this because you've been saying it. All the gambling people have been saying it. All the analytics have been saying it. Minnesota has been very, very overrated. And... Um, you know, at the end of the day, like Kirk Cousins statistically is putting up good numbers now for years. But I, when you watch him, do you really trust him? You know, Je- Jefferson is an incredible player. I mean, he really is. But beside him and the two running backs, like, do you, I don't really love their team, like their roster, guy for guy, you know, relative to some of like even the Cowboys, obviously the Eagles, the Niners, even the Lions. Like, you watch the Lions. They out-talented them, you know? You, they just have more... Beside, you remove Jefferson. And Indy's a weird team, right? Because they play, beside when they get their ass kicked, in s- some uglier games. So if they can just ugly this thing up, four points is a lot. So just if you just remove the emotion, that's probably the bet. But I, I'd have a hard time putting money on Jeff Saturday. Yeah, I'm taking the Colts here. It's... uh, Look, I, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Lions. I have the Lions power rated higher than the Vikings. And I think they're a better team, the Vikings. And last week they closed as well, a three point favorite at home. Well, you see the stats, like the, the, the golf cousins thing this season, it's yeah. not that different. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I'm sure the, the, the Rams might be regretting that they don't still have golf based on where they stand. Well, the, the lions, don't regret, the lions don't regret getting that fifth pick coming to them. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Lions, the, yeah, the, the Lions are, sir, I think they're a better team. The Vikings market showed that last week, and um, they should have swept the Vikings. They got, the Vikings got really lucky the first time. That's what happened oh, yeah. the, all year in the Vikings. They're 10 and three with a negative point differential. Wow. 10 and three, like with a negative point differential. They've been outscored. They're getting outgained by 70 yards per game on average. 70 yards. That will probably uh, never happen again, right? A, a double digit no, win yeah. team with a negative point differential. Yeah, no, it remind they're very similar to like the the ghost of Big Ben year, like two year two years ago, I think. Um, who were like I think they were like ten and L at one point. Um now they had a really good defense though, but they were winning games like Ben obviously didn't have it anymore. Um and they played a bunch of like backup quarterbacks and I think this was in twenty twenty. There was like some COVID absence they benefited from, but their offense was horrendous, but they would just win every game like 13-10. But yeah, they did have a negative point differential because they won every game. Um, I, I can't remember the last time. I think it's the first time an NFL history team is, is 10 and 3 with a negative point differential. But anyway, they're yeah, they have holes. Their defense is not good. And they cannot, they don't, they're not a team that's gonna relentlessly get after you and get 
tons of pressure on the quarterbacks, which will give the Colts a chance. Uh, the Colts have no chance when they go up against a team that can get relentless pressure, like Dallas. Um, and that means Matt Ryan, who can't move anymore, will have a chance. And if you look, this is also like, a, a you know, I'm, I'm still fading the Vikings. I don't think the market has faded them enough. And I'm buying low on the Colts. If you look at like every trend ever in betting the NFL, teams that give up like 50, that lose by 30 plus the next week, they are an extremely good bet. Um, teams aren't as bad as they appear. Perfect example of this is the Colts this year. Not a very good team. They've only been blown out three times. Two weeks ago, and by the way, they have a bye. They have an extra week to prepare here, and the Vikings are on a short week. But uh, you go back to the other two times they were blown out this year. They went to they went to Jacksonville, lost twenty four nothing in one of the most embarrassing performances of the season. Next week they beat the Chiefs, uh, and then they went to New England and they got blasted. They, I think they was their worst offensive game in thirty years. The next week they won at the Raiders. <laughs> like so, this is a team that uh, and you know what do both those teams have in common? Neither of them get after the quarterback like where it's you're going to go up against like Dallas or New England have a great pass rush. So Matt Ryan will have a chance here. Um, I think Indianapolis will be able to move the ball. Uh, most can against this Vikings team. They're going to ugly up the game. And uh, I think four is just a bit too many. I won't hold you to this one, but any thoughts on the, the big Sunday night game against Giants uh, at the Commanders? Yeah, if I had to take it, I would take the Giants. I think those teams are pretty similar. I mean, they played to a tie in New York. The one, uh, the one angle that would give me pause is the. I mean, the Giants are more beat up overall, but the Giants played the Eagles last week and obviously prepared for that game, wanted to win it, got you know beat up a little bit more. Whereas Washington had a bye, and they the last their last game was against the Giants. So they went Giants by Giants. So you have two weeks to prepare for the same exact team. Um, if I had to take it, though, I don't. I'm not sure if I'm gonna if I'm gonna bet it. I would I would take the point just because I think these two teams are pretty similar. It's the totals very low. It's 40. Should be a low scoring game. Points at a premium, and they know obviously just met it. They just played each other. They know each other really well. It's almost like an elimination game um, for the playoffs in a way, um, depending on what other teams do, but it's a huge game. So you might see them both be like really conservative and play tight early, which favors the underdog. Uh, and Daniel Jones is 11 and one against the spread as a road underdog of under nine points. The giants, they always just find ways to ugly up these games. And, uh, obviously they got jumped by Philly, which will happen last week, but that's a, that's a bad yeah. matchup for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they got, they, I mean, they couldn't play. You can't play from behind too. And, yeah. The Eagles hit a fourth and seven touchdown. They went up 14 nothing. It was it was lights out. Washington is you know, T- Taylor Heineke's the kind of guy that he he's kind of like the new Jameis Winston to me from a betting perspective. Like you want you you like to bet him as an underdog. He's kind of like a gunslinger, he'll make some terrible throws. High, you know, pretty high variance guy. He does have some turnover regression coming. But as a favorite, like am I really running to the window to bet Taylor Heineke as a favorite? No, absolutely not. I, I hear you on that one. Okay. Well, Stucky. Um, By the way, I love I, your Fresno. I love Fresno Bowl. Fresno's, uh, I mean, it's a four now. I had it at three, but I still like it a little bit of four. I think uh, I think Fresno's a good bet in the bowls. 
Like who they playing Wazoo, who's already lost multiple coaches. Yeah, multiple um, coaches. They lost their their linebackers gonna play in the NFL. Their other two starting linebackers, two of their top three receivers, um, their defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. I think that line sw- swung like seven points, right? It started, they were yeah. like plus four, now they're minus yeah. three. Last I yeah. I checked yesterday. Yeah, and I think you know, Fresno's their defense is playing a lot better now. They made some schematic changes, and I think that they're undervalued. And Marcus Hayner didn't play for half the year and they had a, a yeah they had a two-star kid in there playing yeah. for him massive drop off and yeah so i think fresno is uh they, they lost to yukon stucky the game yeah. after the hainer got hurt right yeah. i would like uh in the rematch of yukon this fresno state team with hainer I, i'd like the ducks yeah they were they were i mean the, the drop off is there's a couple guys it's like grayson mccall at coastal because his backup's terrible and mccall's pretty good uh and then like you, you, this is how much a, point, a quarterback can be worth in college because it's it's to it's the drop off to your replacement. Hayner, I think, is worth maybe 10, 11 points to the spread um, if you look at the difference between him and his backup. So, yeah, Fresno hasn't really had – they lost a corner who wasn't really playing down the stretch. So that's a signal to me that they care and are motivated here um, and uh, playing in a location that I'm sure they'll like. And uh, so, yeah, I like Fresno. There's value in these bowl. There's value in these bowl games with guys opting out, missing quarterbacks. You know, uh, would you probably then short Kentucky, short Florida, some of these teams with a lot of guys taking off? You know, some of these losing quarterbacks. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky, another big drop off, and they're they're also their best running back is going to play in the NFL. He opted out. That's also usually a sign of like the team doesn't really care that much. I mean, I, I. like in the case of Rodriguez, some of these guys who are going to be first round draft picks. It just makes sense. Like, are you going to go play in the yeah, the yeah. Gasparilla Bowl to risk your uh, future? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, if you see a bunch of guys who aren't like first rounders opting out, then it's usually it might be a sign that just the team doesn't care that much. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for Kentucky. Like Iowa has they're down to a third string quarterback. But that doesn't matter. Like I, I, you could go play quarterback. I could go play yeah. quarterback for Iowa. It doesn't matter. You can't score anyway. Kentucky, it's a big drop off. Florida, I wouldn't be running to bet against just because. I mean, they're catching ten, and Anthony Richardson they, might not be any good. I mean, that's the yeah. Plus the kid who's the, the kid who's playing is Jack Miller, the four star Ohio State. He transferred from Ohio State because he was like, shit, I'm not going to get playing time with Stroud here. So he's got a ton of talent. And then if you look at both rosters overall. And like Florida does have a couple opt outs, but Oregon State's best corner also opted out for the NFL. Then the, if you look at their rosters, like overall, it's like the Florida probably has the more talented roster and they're catching 10 points. So that one I wouldn't be uh, running to the window to to bet. I'll say this two teams is going to be their Super Bowl, though, out west would be Oregon State against Florida. That's a big, like, it, the, for oh, the yeah, program. They're going to care. They, and, they, and, they, they and were to, awful on the bowl last week. To me, Utah will approach the Rose Bowl like a playoff, like they're playing for the national championship. They did last year. And remember, they were missing corners. They had running backs playing corners and they, they couldn't cover yep. the two guys. I mean, turns out nobody can. But I, Penn State, who, you know, I'm not saying they're not going to try. It's a big deal, right? It's not like they were headed to the playoffs regardless, but I think Utah is going to throw the fucking kitchen sink at this game. Love yeah, Utah yeah. in that spot. I agree. I bet Utah as well. Clark Clark Phillips, their star corner, he did opt out, and, and Dalton Kincaid, their starting tight end, opted out. But, yeah, I mean, their, corner, their defensive backfield is a lot better situation than it was last year, and Penn State's playing you know, their best receivers out for the year. 
Um, and Penn State can't really run the ball this year. I'm going to run the ball in a couple of years. That's kind of how you attack Utah. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I really like Utah to get this done, have a big of the fan base advantage. And Kyle Whittingham is one of those coaches that is really, really good uh, with time to prepare, and he's been awesome. He's one of the most profitable coaches to back in bowl games. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be on Utah as well. There's no better feeling than just, like, turning on the television during the holidays and just random bowl games on all the yep. time. It's the best. It's so good. <laughs> It's the best Mon- Monday afternoon bowl game. Like the- oh yeah, it's just it's great. It's just hard. A MAC team playing like some crappy team from the Big Ten. You just get these weird yeah. matchups that are just yeah. extremely entertaining. Uh, yeah. Well, Stucky, uh, I'll talk to you next week, and take it easy, bro. Absolutely. Good luck. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.